All the teams now are in spring training. We have 30 teams training, 15 in Florida, 15 in Arizona. So uh, most teams right now, they're starting to take shape. They're starting to take inventory to see how many people they have healthy. Spring training is basically for today's baseball players, not like 20, 30 years ago, where I remember some players reported way overweight. Most of these athletes now, they're in good shape. Some of them have their personal trainers at home. So during the winter, they're still in shape. But baseball is a different sport. You have to to hit a baseball. You have to see a live uh, game, a pitcher throwing the ball. It's not the same even as you talk to a, a baseball player. We tell you, you can hit the ball in the hitting cage, in the batting practice. It's not the same as seeing it uh, from a live arm, from a pitcher 60 feet, 6 inches away. So that's what it is. It's timing for the hitters. And, of course, the health. The main thing in spring training, everybody's healthy, everybody's positive. And uh, we have a lot of stories going on. And uh, one of them that I'd like to mention right away is that Las Vegas has made the Chicago Cubs 4-1 to one favorites to win the World Series. Now, that's, that's very unusual. I think you have to go what, a hundred, over 100 years ago since the last time they won a World Series. I don't think the Cubs, well, there wasn't even a Las Vegas 100 years ago was just pure desert there. Las Vegas is a relatively uh, new city. So, But uh, the casinos are making the Chicago Cubs the favorites by odds of 4-1 to one to win the World Series. I don't know. This is good news. I know Joe Madden is a very good manager, keeps everybody loose all the time. He's funny. Uh, he doesn't take a loss. When you lose a game, he doesn't get down too much. When you win a game, he doesn't get too high. So uh, he's one of those managers that keep the team in an even keel. But the Cubs are the favorites, and they're training, and they're selling out just about every game at the park in Arizona. So they're a very big attraction. They've always been a big attraction in Arizona, just like the Yankees are in the East Coast in Florida. They used to sell out a lot of games. They probably still do. So, yeah, spring training. Right now, everybody's uh, looking at see what they have in hand. Most of the deals, are, there might be a couple of trades in the offing, but not – no big trades, you know. A couple of guys that haven't signed. Uh, Fowler just signed with the Cubs again, you know, outfielder. But besides that, it hasn't been that many movement as far as the last time we, we spoke. There were a lot of trades in the winter. Now it's basically everybody's training. Everybody's, I always like to say in spring training, everybody's in first place, right? There's no competition, no serious no. competition. So everybody's training, and it looks like uh, everything is moving right along. Right. Now, right now with the March trades, you won't really see anything happen unless there somebody's really wanting to that's in the market and wants to make something something change in their with their lineup or their rotation. Other than that, you're not really going to see much. Uh, right now, the teams are in spring training. They are trying to who were in the rotation or were in the lineup. They're going to want the players and which players to keep in the 40-man roster and also. Who are they going to designate for for assignment? Send them to to the minor leagues. So exactly. you won't see very very much uh, trade action uh, no. for now. Right, and as you know, most of the time, uh, big news now is when a manager. I was talking about the Cubs. Well, last week Joe Madden says my opening night starter is Jay Carrieta. I mean that that's pretty early to say that, and he's looking for a new contract. We're going to talk. We're going to talk about that. But that's pretty early for a manager to – most managers, I know Mike Sosha with the Angels, Jared Weaver, probably won't be the opening 
start, the opening night started at April the 4th. The Angels mm-hmm. are at home, and the Cubs visit them. They open against uh, Chicago Interleague. So uh, most managers don't like to say that, but, boy, Joe Madden came right ahead last week. He said, no, Jay Carrieta is my opening night starter, which is unusual. And that always makes news because people, you know, the fans love that. I love you're a fan of your club. Who's going to open the season? A lot of teams don't have a, a number one. You know, of course, in Arizona right. you got Grinky, mm-hmm. right? The Dodgers got Kershaw. Uh, that's a few teams. There's a lot of teams that still – who's going to be your number one? So the, the managers get that. But I, I was not surprised because I think I know Joe Madden. He's one of those guys, very honest, straightforward. I said, look, I'm not going to lie to you. Jay Carrieta is a side young guy. He's my number one pitcher. And uh, he's going to start an opening night. So those are some of the news now we hear at this time in spring training. Who's going to open the season for you? Uh, you know, banned injury, of course. And, that, you know, and in spring training, a guy like Arrieta opens a game, maybe make, throws two innings, maybe the most, and comes out. So you don't want to use anybody. There's no need to. So that's one of the things in spring training. You, when Now, by next week, we'll know more the teams, the manager will was here the managers talk about this guy's going to open the season for me and so on so on there's some positions you know as we know there's people in the certain teams fighting for a, for, uh, for a position you know to right. fight. yeah so that's always interesting there's always young players and surprises you know there's always surprises uh this guy Socrates uh, Brito he might be in right field and he's a rookie and when a rookie makes a line an opening uh, mm-hmm. night opening day lineup that's big news so that's all the things that are happening right now. Right. So yeah, there's very few teams right now that will have the starting pitcher announced. One of those, like you said, Cobbs, Arrieta, the Diamondbacks announced Grinky's going to be their opening day pitcher. Uh, Yankees are looking into having um, uh, their, one of their pitchers announced soon and probably confirmed with uh, Tanaka. Tanaka, So. Mm-hmm. So if all, if all goes well, hopefully that will probably be their opening day pitcher. So there's only a handful of those that uh, that will go ahead and announce. You will only be two weeks away from spring training, so everything's going to come down to to them locking down their their lineup and their rotations and naming who their number one number one guy is. And as far as you see, as how spring training is developing so far, and after the players uh, reporting and who do you see are some key teams that need to um, – that spring training is going to be a main focus for the 2016 season? Well, I think that the Baltimore Orioles, they're going to be an interesting bunch. They have Mark Trumbo, a new hitter, who uh, was playing in Seattle. He got a couple of good years. He had over 30 home runs with the Angels a few years ago in Anaheim. Mm-hmm. He's now – uh, the Orioles, and I mean that's very important. They lost a couple of years ago. Nelson Cruz, you know, hit number one home run king in yeah. the American League. It's with the, the Seattle Mariners. But uh, I think Trumbo in that little park. I've been many times to uh, Camden Yards. He's gonna hit a lot of home runs if he's healthy. So that was a strategic pickup by them, and he's starting to hit very well. Hasn't hit a home run as of today. But uh, I think that's gonna be interesting. The Orioles, they're in a tough division. The Red Sox. I think the Red Sox are going to – they could be the team to beat in that division. You know, the, the Yankees well, – yeah, I totally yeah. agree. Yeah, I mean, they're pretty much rebuilding their team from exactly. their past couple of seasons that they've had. They've been pretty rough. Right. And this is one of, you know, major teams to look out for this season. Right. One interesting story is developing at the Red Sox camp in Florida when the, a few days ago Pablo Sandoval, uh, he, they asked him something about his weight. 
And I think mm-hmm. the uh, somebody in management says, we're not worried about Pablo's weight. Now, the thing that worried about Pablo's weight, I remember I covered him here in the Bay Area with the Giants. doing. He got three World Series rings. He's a pretty good player. He's one of those guys. Baseball is a different sport. You know, you could be overweight. I remember Fernando Valenzuela as a rookie. He was overweight. He won the Cy Young and the MVP on the same year. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, and Pablo is a natural hitter. He's a pretty good fielder to a third base, but he has that, you know, it's a little heavy, I know. And uh, always open eyes. He reports to spring training, I don't know, 240, 230, maybe more. Who knows? But uh, so that's a good story for the Red Sox. I think he's He's going to have a good year. He have to have a good year. Otherwise, because last year was his first year with the mm-hmm. Red Sox. But he was a terrific player for the Giants. And, I mean, you don't forget how to hit. You don't forget how to feel that unless you hurt. Yeah, I remember uh, two years ago when the Giants uh, won the World Series against the Detroit Tigers. He hit in the first game of the World Series. He hit two home runs. And uh, somebody wrote in the Bay Area, hey, nobody mentions he's overweight, right? So <laughs> he tied. <laughs> Reggie Jackson and a bunch of uh, legendary hitters. So, you know, yeah. it, it, it's it's a good uh, foot for thought. People talk about the weight, but I'm not worried about a guy like Pablo because, I, like I said, I always said that and uh, I've written about it. Pablo's never going to be skinny. He's not going to be 180 pounds. He's going to be 220, 240. Who knows? But he can produce. That's the thing. That's the key thing. Right. Yeah, and having said that, he's still young. He should worry about his weight because, you know, it takes a toll in your legs. You know, he's not a designated hitter. He's playing every day at third base, which is a hot, they call it a hot corner for a reason. There's a lot of action at third base. Right. You have to go to your left, to your right, throw across the, the longest throw from third to first, across the diamond. So he's going to have to work on that. But I think he'll work it. Uh, he'll work that out. And I think he's poised to have a good year. And I think the Red Sox need that. But I, I think I agree with you that the Red Sox are probably the team to beat. I know the New York Yankees have enough. Last year, Alex Rodriguez had a tremendous season. I don't know he, right, they, uh, came, they came short. They were close. So we'll see. But uh, that's a good story about the Pablo. It's always interesting. Uh, but I, I'm not surprised. Every time he reported to Scottsdale over there with the uh, Giants when he was playing for San Francisco, that was the same story. First day of spring training, Pablo's too overweight. So far, well, he's always been overweight. It's nothing new. The story would be he reports one year it's 178. Oh, whoa, what yeah. happened, right? <laughs> so, it was, you know, I understand the writers have to write right. the stories. and uh, But it's always interesting to see what happened. And uh, a lot of Latin players are like that. I remember Louis Tiant, a very good pitcher. Mm-hmm. He was a little around the waist. He was heavy. I mean, he, he's a, but he threw 200 innings every year. So And he won. So um, right. it, it results. You know, you have results. People forget about your weight. But when you don't produce and you're overweight, then that's a problem. Right. That's the factor you need to, as long as you have results you produce, then that's all that matters. Other than that, as long, you'll, you'll be fine. So it's just not really a, a major <clears throat> yeah. issue. That's the bottom line. And then also with spring training, we've uh, seen a comeback with CC Sabathia back in spring training after him being out the, the last part of the season uh, for 2015. So, uh, what do you think of his his coming back and being out there and putting that extra effort in there? And you've seen a lot of his teammates, a lot of um, his ex-teammates as well have been wishing him the best now with him coming back and being out in Florida, and hopefully he'll, he'll have a, a good season. What are your thoughts on that? Well, he was, a, as we know, he, with Milwaukee, he won a Cy Young. He was a dominant pitcher. He's a big guy, 6'9", talking about weight. But, he, yeah, he's 6'9", 230, 240, but he's a huge guy. 
and uh, he used to throw smoke. He doesn't throw fast anymore. He doesn't have a lot of velocity. He knows how to pitch. But the the thing with Sabathia, in my opinion, is how long, how many starts can he give you? You know, you need a guy in the rotation, usually a number one, number two, even a number three. You got 30, 31, maybe 33 starts if you start a game every fifth day. I don't know, Sabathia. He gets hurt. He's up there right around 40 years old. I mean, he he gets hurt. He might not come back. Uh, it's a it's a big uh, big risk for the Yankees, but they love him. Uh, he's had great years there. He was a great pitcher. He's not that great pitcher. He's not number one anymore. They have uh, Masuhiro Tanaka, obviously, that's a Japanese guy who's number one pitcher. Mm-hmm. And they have a terrific bullpen, you know, with Chapman and Miller and Betances. They have a terrific bullpen. Talking about stories, everybody's talking. That might be one of the best yeah. bullpens in history, right? <laughs> with the Cuban guy who... Uh, got suspended, but he's back. Uh, suspended 30 games. He won't be able to mm-hmm. pitch. It. But uh, he can throw 104, 105 miles an hour. It lights out. And then you got Andrew Miller, and you got the other kid, the big guy, Delim Betances. He can always. So oh, the, yeah. Yeah, so the Giants. And that's what happened. I think we talked about this in the last time we have the podcast, that uh, right now Kansas City Royals have basically changed the format. They They have three guys who can pitch from the 6th to the ninth. So all you need is a starter. I hate to say it because I like when a pitcher goes seven or eight or nine innings. Once in a while, somebody throws a com- complete game, which is very unusual now. But when you have a very dominant bullpen like the Yankees, on paper, I don't know if it's going to work, on paper they have a terrific bullpen. So you don't need a guy, for example, like Sabatia to go eight innings. He used to. He was a workhorse. Sabatia used oh, to complete yeah. games. Yeah. He was like a Roy Halladay, somebody with Kershaw. Madison Baumgarten with the Giants, uh, Zach Greinke. Those are, those are tremendous pitchers that, you know, at any given time you need to rest the bullpen. They're going to give them the ball. They're going to go eight and a third, eight and two thirds, ninth complete innings. So uh, that might be, now that I think of the Yankee bullpen, that might be the the best news for Sabatia, that he might just have to throw maybe five, six innings, six good innings like the coach, uh, pitching coach say nowadays, give me six good innings. So that might be a, the saving thing for him. But, boy, it's a big risk with him. You don't know. He's getting up there in age, and uh, they need him. Yeah, you, you never have. You know the story. You never have enough pitching. And he's a very smart guy. He can still change speeds and throw the ball in the dirt, make you go fishing for a pitch. He knows how to pitch. He's not the dominant pitcher. He was, obviously, uh, like right. Jared Weaver with the Angels. Jared Weaver with the Angels might not pitch an opening night for the first time in seven seasons. He has wow. opening yeah, seven seasons with the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. And now Sosha, is, uh, he hasn't said it yet, but I think it's going to be Garrett Anderson. Is there the new stud, number one pitcher, throws very hard, has a lot of gas, uh, can throw, uh, make uh, 120 pitches if it's needed. And Jared Weaver is not the same anymore. So every, that's what happened with these guys that used to throw hard, that were dominant. And Sabatia mm-hmm. was that type of guy. You know, you remember how he threw the ball. Yeah. He was just strike out. Yeah. Fireball. I mean, yeah, it was a moral victory. You can hit the ball, uh, fly ball to center field. You just dominate, especially three, four innings. So that's what's going to happen with the Yankees. But having said that, and I'm going to repeat it, I think their bullpen is much improved. That helps not only Sabatia, but Tanaka and the other guys in the rotation. So that should be a good news for uh, for him. I'm sure somebody asked him that down there in the East Coast in spring training that with that bullpen, all the starting pitchers, especially veteran pitchers, are, are breathing a little easier. <laughs> they know they don't have to go seven or eight innings. Right. Yeah, no, I to- totally agree. And now 
like you mentioned, the pitching game is changing in baseball now. Now you don't see, as you did in the past, the pitchers going, starting pitchers going all these eight, nine inning games. Now they go, as long as they have a six inning game, seven, they'll bring in, uh, you know, their closer, the reliever, and that's all they ask for now. And you'll have very few pitchers that go go the the entire game and and now especially you see it also a lot a little bit more injuries with the with the pitchers or their arm tiring out or these younger pitch younger pitchers having having Tommy John surgery at such an early age not just one but even multiple surgeries yeah and some pitchers as you know they come back uh, some some guys have Tommy John surgery and come back mm-hmm. and they'll throw even harder it depends yeah. everybody's physique is different but that's a good point. Uh, there's a lot of guys, very young guys. I remember uh, I saw Tommy John. That, that's what the name is, a pitcher. Yeah. Tommy John was a pretty good pitcher, <laughs> and he pitched for a long time. And, and then what happened is a Tommy John surgery. But uh, everybody has it now. And uh, sometime in the press boxes, some of the old writers says they should have it in high school. Might as well get it out of the way. Uh, it's kind of sarcastic. I don't think you, if you're a young pitcher, you don't think of having any type of surgery. But uh, that's yeah. becoming so. It's routine. It really is. You know, it's really yeah, it routine. Is. That that will definitely, I think, will be a plus. And like you mentioned, the yeah. Yankees have a much better, improved bullpen than they did last season for sure. Yeah, yeah. That the Yankees really, when they signed Chapman, they really they put the cherry on top of the cake because that guy can close. I mean, that is yeah. almost untouchable. The numbers are ridiculous. I mean, he comes in. He's the type of guy that. When he comes in with a one-run lead or two-run lead, you can say, oh, it's, this game is over. And there's very few pitchers you can say that. But when he comes in, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, he's not perfect. Once in a while, he's going to walk a guy or two. But most of the time, you throw 102, 104. I mean, you're untouchable, basically. So it's very tough. So, yeah. No, it's uh, it's going to be – for the Yankees, I think they're going to do okay. But I, I don't know how can they beat the Red Sox if the Red Sox stay mm-hmm. healthy. I think they would. Now with David Price, they're just loaded, mm-hmm. and they really reloaded because those teams on the East Coast, as you know, they never rebuilt. In those towns, you have to win every year. It's not, right. There's <laughs> no, might, no off year. <laughs> no, there's no off year. No, there's no uh, – and uh, so they, they're going to – that that Eastern Division, the, boy, I like the Blue Jays a lot, but uh, Red Sox are looking like mm-hmm. maybe the team to beat. That We'll definitely have our predictions later before the season starts here in – and the Hispanic Heritage Baseball Museum Hall of Fame website. But I think that uh, Sabatia, is he healthy? He's going to help the team. But And he's a team player. He, he knows he doesn't mm-hmm. have this. Yeah, he doesn't have the stuff he had before. But uh, the bullpen is so strong that not only Sabatia, Tanaka, and the other pitchers, uh, like the Royals, the, the world champion Royals, they know you're right. starting with the Royals. You don't have to go seven or eight innings. You have a terrific bullpen. And that's what I think that's changing now too a, a lot. Uh, the, the Kansas City Royals with three dominant relievers it used to be you have a setup man, right, and then right. the closer. But now you have three, and that, so the game is shorter. You have three relievers. That means you you need a guy to open and go six, basically six. You have right. one for the seventh, one for the eighth. I mean, if everything you know, not every, not everything works out perfect, but that's the plan for most manager. Boy, I can have three dominant relievers. My starter doesn't have to throw 100 pitches every time he comes out. So I think that's one of the biggest changes we're seeing right now in baseball. Yeah, definitely. And along with changes, we're seeing some changes coming up here in the 2016 season with MLB and Commissioner 
to implementing these rules, uh, one of them being the with the protection that they want to have for fans and the games extending. Last, last season, they, have, they had mentioned about looking into extending the netting behind home plate. There's especially with the amount of injuries that happen throughout the season, and they keep increasing um, fan distractions, you know, that they have, people need to be attentive and you could distract it for a second, the bat flies out of the batter's hands and there can be a, a significant injury. So this year they're, they're extending the netting a little bit lot more in the ballpark. So give me your take on this, Amari. Yes, it's a sign of the times, Johanna. It has to happen. And I have a few what is common sense. My dad used to say common sense is not common anymore. But let me tell you a common sense. The parks are getting smaller. They, uh, I have the, the best example is here in the Bay Area. I'm blessed in the Bay Area. The Oakland A's have an old park, and uh, the fans are way out. Uh, you should be close to the to home plate at least, right? But in Oakland, you're right. very, very far away. There's a lot of foul territory in Oakland. I think most than every team, any team in baseball. Across the Bay in San Francisco, the guy who's on the on-deck circle, with Hunter Pence is on the on-deck circle, and you, you can watch the games on TV, the fan in the first or second or third row could have a conversation with a guy, and, and some players like to talk to the fans. The, my point is this. The, the crowd, the fans are closer to the field. The players are stronger, the faster. The bats are lighter. They're very light bats now. You can see some mm-hmm. of these guys can break a bat in half. They strike out. They're mad. They break it in half. You couldn't do that 30 years ago. The bats were so, no. so thick. You couldn't do it. You need a saw. But so what happened? These bats flying like look like machetes. It looked like knives flying. And then, of course, the balls uh, come in the line drives. People are so close to the action. And then if you add to that, that everybody in every park has a smartphone or an iPod. And a lot exactly. of people. Yeah, I don't want to say everybody, but I call the games. I see it. And my partner, you know, broadcast partner here in Oakland and uh, in Anaheim, Jose Mota, we talk about that. This, this guy's behind the plate. The director says, we're going to put somebody on camera eating an ice cream. Okay. And then the, the father or the mother is just looking at a little screen. They're not watching the game. And they're in, they're in, they're in danger. They're close to the – if you're in the upper deck, okay, take, your own, take a TV. You want to take a TV there. But you, right. you're behind – yeah. Now, you're behind the plate. you got the net, right, most places. Now, in Anaheim, yeah, they're, they're adding right – Yeah, there. Exactly. Uh, but, but when you are behind the dugouts uh, – or certain corners and close to the field, you have to pay attention. And a lot of people are very distracted. We see so many people filming the game. And, you know, it's different. If you watch a game just with your bare eyes, you can see the ball faster. Believe it or not, that you, you're filming. If you're filming, you might have the ball. You might, you might have to go to the dentist because the ball will come out there so quick and you're occupied. You don't occupied. have enough, enough yeah. time to react to that coming, exactly. ball coming your way. Exactly, and I'm talking about all of us who are amateur photographers. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about other guys who work for Fox or NBC because they're not paying attention. So it's a combination of factors. But I think that's something that Major League Baseball is improving. A lot of park is not uniform. I know that there is a regulation, I'm sure. Every team, of course, have to have a, a big net behind the plate, but that's been there f- for ages. But now you have the problem with these parks being smaller. The ball gets there quicker. They might have to put a little net in AT&T Park in San Francisco. They're going to build a little net on top of the dugout so the first two or three rows uh, have a little protection because the ball gets there very, very fast. And yeah, super ball, fast. Yeah. You don't have enough time to react to that exactly. ball coming your way. 
Yeah, every every foul is not a fly ball that you have time to. Hey, I'm going to catch you bare, barehanded or my, your kid there with a the glove. Uh, sometimes it's a line drive. I've seen line drives yeah. so hit on top of the dugout, and they skip like a rug going in the, in the water. They go forever, and uh, that presents a danger. And some people are getting hurt. A lot more people are getting yeah. hurt now. Yeah, with bats, you know, bats yeah, flying. Last, into last year we had a how many amount of injuries related to uh, foul balls and line drives and bats, especially broken bats. Just, yes. uh, uh, I believe it was just yesterday or the day before, I was on I was on my social media. And here in the, one of the spring training games, um, during one of the games, a bat just comes flying and it almost hits a, a teenager, a young kid, because he's looking out on his phone. Luckily for whoever was sitting next to him, would that be another fan or his dad or brother, whoever that was, extended that arm. And if he wouldn't have done that, it, that bat would have hit that kid in the face. Wow. So it yeah, would have that... caused another situation with what happened, uh, I believe, at the Red Sox game last season with that lady getting hit with a bat in the head. Yes. Um, sad scenario, sad situation, but this is becoming a real problem with, with fans going in there, looking at their phones. Balls come flying up and, and come down, and you, you don't have enough time to react. And even us as professionals, even sitting in the press box, how many times do balls come flying, flying back too? Yes. So with just a blink of an eye, that's all. That's all you have to to be hit or be injured by one of these items. I've seen the reporters. I remember a few years ago at the AT&T Park in San Francisco, uh, George Devine. I know well, a young man. He was sitting in the front row as a baseball writer, and the windows were open because it was a warm day in San Francisco. And uh, anybody who's been to AT&T Park, the press box, the the, the main level, the writers are almost downstairs, you know. And uh, we uh, guys on radio and TV are upstairs. So we have more time to react. When you're upstairs, you have more time to react. But the ball hit him right in the chest. I mean, he couldn't get out of the way. Hit him right in the chest. In Anaheim, where I broadcast my games, my broadcast partner, my analyst, or color commentator Jose Mota, he wears a glove in his left hand, and he saved me a couple of times. I have to admit it. <laughs> I have the video. He saved me a couple of times. I'm calling the game. I'm looking yeah. at the screen. I have a TV monitor. I have the, the, the field in front of me. So even broadcasters have to be aware. Yeah. Of course, we, you know, we're working. We're getting paid to do the game, but still we're, we're in the line of fire. Now imagine a fan sitting right there in front. I see that the one thing I can't stand, and I have to say this as a commentary, I see people with babies. I mean, babies. I'm talking literally born three, yeah. four weeks ago in the first row. I mean, that's, I hate to say so. I know it's a free country, but babies should not, you should not you, be you allowed. Should be, it's common sense. You should be conscious of, of yeah, that. Of course, not, I don't not care. Not bring your baby to that risk. Yes, and I think some places the ushers warn people, but they cannot uh, tell them where to sit. They said you, you buy your ticket, you know, especially those are expensive tickets. But I've seen people with little babies, and I said, my goodness, I mean, that's just, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> but, but that's just that's just the fans' common sense. That's not, uh, babies, the, babies just want to sleep. They don't even know where they are yeah. at that time. But, uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a combination of things. But I'm glad that Manfred, the new commissioner, is taking charge of this, and uh, I think he's working. The more we see the people, more people getting hurt. Like I said, a lot of bats flying, uh, hitting people too. Not only baseballs. I think it's going to change. And uh, as long as they don't put too much, uh, there's not too much separation between the fan 
and the feel, you know, because that's the reason right. they build the, the action close. So you can it's be a fan based game to interaction to interact yeah. with the players, get those autographs, yeah. interact whatever sure. the case is. You know, it, it it's all part of it's all part of the game. Yeah, it's part of the game. It's part of the the experience to go to a park, and uh, you don't want to take that away. But having said that. Uh, Safety is paramount. It's the main thing. You want to be safe when you go to a game, and mm-hmm. you have to be, uh, unlike other sports, in basketball, I mean, uh, uh, I, I used to do basketball, and I remember the ball came our way. We broadcast from the mm-hmm. in the middle of the court. But it's a, it's a ball full of air. It's, it's not going to hurt you. What might hurt you is a player jumping on top of you, falling on top of you, looking for a foul, for a, a ball out of bounds, you know, trying to making a pass right. and in foot yeah and in football nobody touches the ball only there's a field goal and somebody oh he catches the ball on the other side maybe or he they get it for free because a player wants to give him a touchdown ball but baseball you're in the line of fire and uh, that's one of the beauties of baseball though you you feel like you're part of the game i mean one yeah. of the game can you take a ball home you don't see that in the nba unless no. lebron james hey i'm going to give this <laughs> basketball to this fan you don't see that in the nfl or it's cam newton giving away a, a football to a kid yeah, you know of course not. So it's part of the game. It's a, I remember when my kids were small that the bigger thing when they – I remember Carney Lansford used to play with the A's and it was a foul ball, and he never forget that. He's a man now, but he still has it. And I got it signed mm-hmm. by Carney a few weeks later. Said, my kid, God, this was your foul ball. Oh, sure. So <laughs> it's just a beautiful thing that you can go and, and remember. I was there with my mother and father the day that I got a foul ball or with my buddy from high school. So it's part of the game. You want to, You don't want the fans to feel like the – the too far from the game because that's the reason they make these ballparks what they call quote unquote fan friendly but having said that you have to look for the safety too and and that is a problem so i think we're moving in the right direction major league baseball is taking the the correct precautions every park is different as we know so you have to go by the by what you do in that park whether you have to the measurements and uh, how far are you from the play that they study all this stuff now so i'm sure that there should be no problem but it's so many games and uh so many people going Baseball is very popular, and uh, there's going to be people hurt all the time, especially if you don't pay attention. You have to pay attention to what's happening on the field. That's the reason you pay $20, 30 $100 for a ticket. You want to see the game, right? You don't want to yeah, yeah, hit five, five balls, stay home, watch it on TV. <laughs> exactly. Don't be on the floor. You're going to go watch the game, go watch the game, put your phone right. away. Don't sure. risk yourself getting hit by a flying bat or a foul ball, whatever it is. Absolutely. Pay attention. It just takes a yeah. second. Yeah. And talking about taking precautions, uh, MLB has also established another rule that will help to keep uh, players safe when they're running and stealing, stealing for the base. Um, do you want to elaborate a little bit on that, Amari, and, and what yeah. MLB has implemented now? Yeah, it's what they call the uh, proximity play or the neighborhood play. And this happened because last year, remember, Chase Utley slid into uh, Tejada, went Tejada of the Mets and uh, broke a leg. Uh, Utley slid outside of the base. Now, this is the call now, the proximity play or the neighborhood play. If there is a ground ball, to, there's a guy at first base, and uh, you hit a ground ball to shortstop. Shortstop feels, throws to second. The second baseman have to touch the base. It, it cannot be... Until last year, sometimes I we all seen it. Anybody who covers baseball, what the umpire 
gives you the, the out at second, even you're two feet away from the base. I've seen it, not even close to the base, but the ball gets there before the runner, so the umpire at second says you're out, then the second baseman throws the first, it's a double play, or vice versa. It's a ground ball to second, second baseman feels the ball, throws to the shortstop, who never touches second, and then throws to first, it's a double play. Now, whoever feels the ball to start the first out of the double play, the middle infielders, shortstop or second base, have to touch the base. Now, another thing, the runner have to run into the base. He cannot run outside the base, one side to the other, to take the fielder out. That's what happened with the Chase Utley play. It's very controversial. Some people mm -hmm. say he was doing the job to break the double play, but he also broke one of the legs of Ruben Tejal. So it's a combination of things here. So now this, uh, I believe it's 7093, the play has changed a little bit, and we'll see it. This has to be implemented. Uh, I don't know how to explain it right, but you have to see it. It's something that you have to see it, how it develops. And uh, if you watch a game on TV, uh, that's a, that's the advantage when you're watching a game on TV. That you're going to see that double play ten times, and they're going to oh, he never touched the base. When you see it live, and depends where you're in the field, you're in the upper deck, unless you have binoculars, and it's close, it's a close play. That's why we have instant replay now, which is a good idea, I think, mm -hmm. as long as I don't go crazy with it, just for some certain place. So this is going to be different now. You're going to have to, uh, the runner, running from first to second is try to break the double play you could be aggressive but slide into the base don't slide outside the base in other words you see the fielder he's outside the base i'm going to try to get him out so so he doesn't throw well to first or drop the ball for his glove and that's not going to happen so uh, that's one of the things that uh it was a uh, an unwritten law of baseball that the uh, the guy got the ball ahead of the runner, and the umpire says, you're out. They, so they call it the proximity play because the, the throw was not on top of the base. You never touch the base. The guy just threw the first base for the double play. So that's going to change. Right, this and then I remember, yeah. I remember this being a big issue when it uh, first occurred. And like you said, it was an, an unspoken rule or un, not really something that was official. Now MLB is implementing and trying to keep these players and runners safe. And yeah. I remember watching it on ESPN when it first occurred, and they were they were talking, and they were they were showed examples, and and especially on how not only the runner should approach approach that play, but also how how the baseman should uh, also approach trying to get the the player the runner out on second. There's a certain ways that you should be moving. You shouldn't be blocking the way. You should not be exposing yourself to danger as well. And there's certain ways that you should be moving out of the way also. So you, these injuries don't occur. So I think right. this is a good thing that they are they're doing to keep to keep the players safe. We've seen it happen too many times where they, whether it's a broken leg, uh, torn something, or twisted knee. And, it, and I saw it happen a, a few times last year where because the the runner wanted to break the play or try or attempting to go ahead and slide in whether it be head first, feet first, and um, and and somebody ends up getting hurt. So I think this would be a good, a good change and keeping a lot of these players safe. And we'll see how it, it all rolls out, see if it doesn't cause any any issues with, with how it's all going to play out. Yeah, it's going to be controversy in close plays. That's to be expected. And the umpires, that's a factor now. But you also have instant replay, although you don't have many instant replays that I remember a second base, or usually a first base, or maybe a ball. Uh, the outfielder, you know, tried to cut it uh, 
shoestring catch, what I call it, you die for the ball, that type of thing. But I'm reading here the, the, the crux of the matter here is Rule 7.08E. 7.08E says, I'm just reading the paragraph, the fielder with a ball must actually touch a force base or tag the force runner before the force runner arrives. In other words, you have to emphatically touch the base to make the out. Before, you could just feel the ball two feet behind second base and throw the first. The umpire said, oh, you're out, the runner. And that was called the proximity play. Everybody and their uncle knew, knew that the guy was not out, but, you know, the umpires called it out. So now it's going to go by the rule, which was already there, but they're going to enforce it. So, you know, it's like that's, that's the thing. And I think it's going to prevent injuries. There's a lot of injuries, as you know, at shortstops and second base in the middle and the double play. There's a lot of injuries there because a lot of action, the ball, the the runner, the fielder, they're all arriving at the same time, and something has to give. So that's a very dangerous situation, but I think that should be corrected. I, I agree with this rule. I think it should, be, it should be like that. A double play, you should touch second and throw the first for the double play, not just fill the ball before the runner arrives at the base, and even you're two feet from the base, the umpire calls the runner out, and you throw the first and you complete the double play. That's not fair to the, the team that's hitting to the offensive team. So I think it's fair for everybody. And I think it's going to be less injuries too. Yeah, no, to- totally, totally agree. Yeah, it's like the, the new rule that is working now. The, the catchers have to have the ball. You cannot block the plate without the ball. When the throw comes to the plate and the close plate, that happened because of the Buster Posey thing in San Francisco. He almost career almost ended, although at the end, or everybody who follows the game agree that he wasn't in a good position to field the ball. Now a catcher, as we know it, and we see it all the time, cannot block the plate unless he has the ball. If he has the ball, you can block it, but not, you know, you, you're gonna, you know you're going to have the now. So it's all common sense, too, but in the heat of the passion of the game, sometimes, like I said, uh, it happens a lot. It's part of the game. The ball, the runner, the fielder, they all arrive at the same time at the same base, and something is going to happen. So... <laughs> So this is uh, the same thing at second base. I believe that the proximity play should just be a thing of the past. Although I hear, I don't follow high school or college, that is still in, in high school and college, but I can understand that because these are younger kids, younger players. You don't want anybody hurt when you're 14, 15. And right. At that level, yeah, at that level, yeah, at that level there's no problem. But you can, players get 10, 15, $20 million a year to play the game. The fans pay a lot of money is business, you still want to preserve your players. You, you want to have high caliber, that's what it's called the mayor leagues, but you don't want people hurt every game. So I think it's, a, I think it's a, after all, it's a good thing, but it's rule 7.08E. That's uh, what they call it. So I think that, uh, I think it's good for everybody. I, I agree with this one. Yeah, so, so do I. And, and going on with a few more implementations with MLB, they are MLB trying to follow a little bit in the footsteps of the NFL. Fortunately, we had uh, we heard just the news: Henry Mejia from the Mets was actually banned or suspended from playing baseball. Third time, lifetime ban. No, no longer be able to will be able to play. And they're MLB is coming down harder on on well these other drugs that the players use. So I think that's that's a good thing. You're not going to get away with this easily. We saw what happened with A-Rod, and it's only going to come down a lot harder on, on players now. Yeah, I uh, I went through, we all went through the era, the steroid era, what happened. We know what happened. Uh, we saw the, the, the years with the 
Barry Bonds hit 73 home runs, and Sammy Sosa for a few years, a couple of years, hit over 60, and all, that's all fine. But we knew something was wrong. Uh, I believe, this is just my opinion, that anybody now at the level of the major leagues, minor leagues also, but let's talk major leagues, we're talking major leagues, who gets suspended more than once. Uh, I'm very close to, in California, there's a law called three strikes and you're out. Ironically, it's a baseball metaphor. That's the way mm-hmm. the law is called here. But that is for people driving under the uh, drugs or uh, alcohol. You, you get three times and that's it. They take your license. Now, I'm not suggesting that a baseball player gets suspended three times should be banned from baseball. However, I'm starting to believe that anybody at this level who makes this type of money, who got uh, the recognition and the fame, as all most of Major League Baseball players do, that should be smart enough to know, okay, you get suspended once, but twice, three times, and uh, it's just too much, you know. But I think uh, baseball have to be tough, and they're, they're getting to be tough, like in the NFL, and you have to have a have certain strength here because you cannot have players getting suspended and uh, they know they come back. Melky Cabrera got suspended. Mm-hmm. He came back in the, with a bigger salary than before. He's a good player. But, uh, you know, it happens. Uh, A-Rod is uh, obviously the number one the most famous player, a guy who could who right. Get, right now he has number for the Hall of Fame. Is he going to be elected? I don't know. But A-Rod, Sammy Sosa has number for the Hall of Fame. All those guys. Yeah. Mark McGuire. Yeah. McGuire, <laughs> so. and it's they're uh, and they're to get into the Hall of Fame, but at the same time, that's keeping them from getting into the Hall of Fame. Will there exactly. be something? This could be. This is something that will taint their career. Their their they're not going to be able to go as far using these steroids and getting caught. Um, getting caught up the point is just using them. Like you should yep. not use them. Period. Do it once. Get, you go through the through the motions of what deal with it. Don't do it again. It's, if you do it once, you get caught. You're gonna do, the second time. It's gonna be the same thing. Why risk your career and lose it all? Yeah, and it's an insult to the fans. Uh, you know what happened a couple of years? Uh, Ryan Brom in Milwaukee. He uh, yeah. He told the fans he never did, and then he was found. He was lying to the fans. And, and he was good constantly yeah, every time exactly. he would come out to the plate. Yeah, you don't want to see that. Yeah, I went through that uh, that phase of the game when guys were hitting, you know, balls 540 feet and Canseco and all those guys. I cover uh, Canseco when he was a rookie in 86, mm-hmm. Maguire in 87. Let me tell you, Mark Maguire was always a tall kid, 6'4", six, 6'5", six, but he was skinny. He looked like a pencil when he was a rookie. Five years later, he looked like Paul Bunyan. He was, he got, people say, yeah. oh, this guy... Well, he, he lifts a lot of weights. But we knew something else was happening. There was a lot of hypocrisy. Uh, I never heard the word steroids. I didn't go to school for medicine. So most, most writers, and they, you have to learn about it, but people didn't know. But let me tell you, to be fair to the players, uh, the biggest thing in baseball in the 80s, and still is, is the home run. You want to see a guy, wow, hit the, home, right. the ball over there. You know. And uh, the owners look the other way. Why? Because the home run is what people wanted. It was filling the parks, you know, people, and everybody was happy. They were producing. Everybody was, yeah. So, yeah, you know, so. so going to, on. Yeah. To be honest, if unfair to the players, the owners were making money, so they kind of looked the other way. I remember when I was doing the A's in the 80s, Sandy Alderson, who is now the general manager of the Mets, uh, 
and I have a lot of respect for him. I still do. I lost a little bit because they interview him, and he says, well, I didn't know what Canseco Maguire were doing. Come on, Sandy. You know, uh, Barry Bonds one year hit 39 home runs. The next year, mm-hmm. 73. How do you go from 39 to 73? So I mean, I remember it, that, that time, that yeah, era. They, were, yeah, they were battling who would get the most home runs. Yeah, I'm not an attorney, but I like to talk like like the lawyers talk circumstantial evidence, right? If if yeah. a guy hits every year 35, 31, 42, 32, 35, boom, 73. Yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> there's something. There's a red flag. I know, and I used to talk to the older writers in the press box. They have seen anything like this? No, and uh, there was rumors of something that's happened, and eventually we know what happened now. But uh, it was sad. It's, it was a sad time. Of all the things, Bud Selig, during Bud Selig, uh, commissioner, the years he spent there, mm-hmm. like, what, 20 years, uh, baseball became very more popular than ever. The salaries went through the roof. But he has that black cloud that he was there during the steroids. You know, that, that's something that, right. unfortunately, he has to take it with a good, you know. But I think Manfred's smart. He's a younger guy. He wants to try. He wants to be more of a disciplinarian, and I think he has to. You know, I'm... Uh, I'm almost to the point a guy shouldn't be caught more than once, not even once, but, I mean, once and you come back. I mean, uh, I don't know what other business, if you're an accountant and uh, you get fired because you're doing drugs, you probably won't be hired by that company again. So, I mean, yeah. so, <laughs> so uh, they're very lucky. It's a very good business. Players make a lot of money. Owners make money. But uh, I always take the side of the fans, and, and I hate to see uh, little kids, you know, that – that saw Maguire, and uh, I remember my kids were small. They saw these guys, and now they're men, and they say, well, they were cheating. That It's not right because you feel cheated, yeah, right? You feel like, hey, come on. You know? So I think that uh, it's good that baseball is taking a strong stance against uh, drugs, steroids, and uh, the NFL is doing the same. Of course, it's so much physical in the NFL uh, when your purpose is to knock out and kill the quarterback, basically, knock the ball out of his hands. And baseball is different. It's more of a... A technical scientific game and and more uh, and it's a different sport. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's just mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's more difficult actually. Uh, uh, you know, so uh, we'll see. But I think it's a good thing for Manfred. I think he's done some good stuff. I think he recognizes that he has to get tougher when it comes to the use of illegal drugs in in the game, steroids or enhancing drugs, whatever they call it. And uh, guys like Barry Bonds, who's back in the game, he's now a batting coach for the Miami Marlins. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is another guy. He has the numbers, but uh, he still fell, I think, 43% short of being elected. And uh, eventually, I think time heals everything. They'll probably be elected. I feel sorry for one guy, though, Pete Rose. He might never be elected. <laughs> yes, it's like you read my mind. That's actually what I was thinking. You, know, yeah. you never know. It might, it might just be one of the situations where he does, they does probably deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. But because of that one mistake that they did during their career, keep them out of the Hall of Fame. Yeah, well, you know, they they used to say that the mortal sin of baseball is gambling. You could do anything, but if you gamble, oh, that that you, you're <laughs> crucified. Exactly. And here's a guy who got more hits than anybody in the world, and there's no way he should. I think he paid his dues. If 25 mm-hmm. years out of the game, and he should be in the Hall of Fame, but because he allegedly gambling and uh, as a manager, and uh, it's tough. It's tough. So. Uh, I agree. I, I'm kind of liberal uh, when the players, I think they, they they live their own lives, everybody, as long as you don't hurt anybody and uh, you, you obey the laws of the country and all that, like uh, any citizen, like we all do. But uh, it gets to the point that uh, 
uh, how stupid can you be to get suspended twice? And uh, I cannot believe a guy getting suspended three times. Three so, times, uh, let's get that third time to be yeah. banned from playing the game. That baffles me, that's all. <laughs> yeah, Manfred is doing the correct thing. He has to He has to do mm-hmm. that for the integrity of the sport. There's no other, no other way because what happened, too, is that baseball was – like 10, 20 years behind the science. There were, there were steroids not to put muscles only. When when people think of steroids, people think of guys, like I said, Maguire was a skinny guy, very tall kid but skinny, becoming very strong. How about Rafael Palmeiro? He took the stuff, but it was a different type of steroids to prevent injury. I mean, it's just crazy. Yeah. So science is like 20 years ahead of the game of baseball, and that's why baseball is still catching up to that. (laughs) It's a a very fascinating situation, but every time I have to talk about somebody getting suspended by steroids, and I'm the only one, I'm sure you two and writers and broadcasters, TV, radio, whatever, you don't want to talk about that. You you don't want to talk about that. You want to talk about the game and statistics and what are the teams doing, but unfortunately, it's part of the game, and I just hope that that thing is going to be less and less. But still a lot of players get suspended. And in the minor leagues, they get a lot of suspensions. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. This is something that time will tell. Uh, baseball have to get stronger and ban people for life after a couple, three times, whatever they have to do, they're going to have to do it. Right. I, to- I totally agree. And, and I am went on there with the new commissioner. He's doing a lot of great things and, and getting the, everything on the right track and getting everything in shape and putting and implementing those rules that need to be there, um, especially for the, for performance enhancing drugs and, and keeping the, keeping the fans and the players safe. I'm all for that. And I yeah. just you look forward to, to see what else he, he has in store and um, to, to better the game and the experience for not only the players, but for the fans. Yeah. It's uh, unfortunately, uh, as we know, the, 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 Negative news sometimes make headlines, and the good news doesn't. But uh, I, I think we're going to hear less and less on that. I just hope, I hope and pray that uh, all the sports are always been, you know, the baseball is, is part. Of everybody wants to have an edge over somebody else as part of the athletes, you know. And that's some people look at the, the, the gentleman Armstrong who won five tours de France. Five tours de France. Mm-hmm. One of the toughest things, I'm not a cyclist, but I read a lot. That's one of the, that's one of the biggest things to do. To win it once, he won it five times, and he was also smeared by the use of. <laughs> yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Unfortunately. Uh, unfortunately, so uh, it's part of sports. We we live in an interesting time. Some people say, and and uh, there's so much money involved in the game too, you know. And uh, I, I think I wouldn't be too tolerant. I'm a tolerant person. I believe everybody deserves a second chance. But I, what about a third and a fourth? I don't know. So it's just some people never learn, I guess. So uh, baseball is going to have to get tough and, and, and go with it. I think Manfred, I like Manfred. He's doing some good stuff. Mm-hmm. He, I think he wants to uh, – he's his own man. He's not the uh, – I know he was a successor to Bud Selig and they were friends. But he's doing what he has to do. I agree with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised if they – now going forward, if they end – and I wouldn't be surprised if they end up um, – Increasing the the suspension games just for the first time that they they get caught, maybe that would yeah. be even a larger lesson to to increase those the suspension games. Um, probably that will prevent from players attempting it a second time around. Yeah, you have to. Uh, it's a tough job for the commissioner. Uh, as we know, what happened a few weeks ago, Aroldi Chapman became the first player in the history of Major League Baseball to get suspended 
not because of drugs or steroids or anything like that, because allegedly domestic violence. And that's uh, that's another yeah. step that baseball, yeah. And that's, you know, I understand that. And uh, he got suspended 30 days. Uh, he'll be back. I think he'll be eligible to pitch for the Yankees middle of May, maybe, I think, 19th of May, mm-hmm. uh, something like that. But uh, so there, there is a case that this have nothing to do with the game of baseball. It wasn't. But uh, domestic violence. So there's a lot of stuff happening. And another, you know. another, another thing that they will be following in, in the steps of the NFL of yes. domestic violence. So yes. And and then, and I think that's a good because uh, that's a good thing because they create an image behind what they're doing. So should they be caught with uh, or something like this happens and goes, you know the news goes viral, they, it, it makes headlines. There, there goes their image, there goes their reputation, uh, and they, they can just throw it all away. So, and it's, and I think it's, it's good to, to have, to have that. So I don't think it's anything bad, and, and it also helps to teach fans and, and, and the young kids too the yeah. way to treat not just women but treat each other, not, to not, not be abusive. Yeah, I am into that. Yes, yes, especially the young kids. It's part of life, but you can tolerate that. You have to. I mean, these are very lucky athletes. These are the best of the best. You know, they play baseball or they play football. They're the best. The NFL is the best league in the world for for football. American NFL football. We know football is soccer. Many countries call it football. Right. But uh, yeah, but the biggest league in base in the world for Major League Baseball is the one here, Major League Baseball. And these guys get a lot of money. And uh, they not only ask. I'm sure in the contracts, everybody has a contract. They have a, they they get paid to play, but to be good citizens too. And and that's bad for the team, bad for the fans. When the, your name is in the news, I realized that uh, Chapman. I, what I read, I didn't talk to him, but he said no. He takes responsibility, which is good, you know, because <laughs> a lot of people. Yeah. Oh no, I didn't do that. Whatever. I think it's. I take responsibility. I should have done it. I have bad judgment. Whatever. And uh, so that's behind him, but uh, it doesn't look good. I mean, it's, here's a guy that forever will be known as the first guy ever to be suspended for domestic violence. I mean, you, nobody likes to have that right on the no. resume. Right? <laughs> so here's the thing. They're human, too. People forget. You know, people forget this guy's yeah. a human. They're but, normal uh, people like you and I. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're human, you know, so, uh, but that shouldn't be, I agree, that shouldn't be tolerated, and uh and, and most uh, most companies uh, hire somebody, and they pay this high-profile business like like an athlete, which is almost it's entertainment. It's like a movie star. Some of these guys are are, are idols in their towns and in the country, mm-hmm. and uh, that represents the game. So that hurts everybody. And uh, I'm glad that Chapman took responsibility, and he's moving on. He'll be ready to pitch in a couple of months for the for the Yankees. But he's serving. He's going to serve the first 30 games uh, of the Yankees suspension. And uh, that's outside the realm of a steroid use, but I thought I mentioned that because it just happened, and I thought it was an interesting thing. It's, mm-hmm. I never thought that. Yeah, but they have to do it because the NFL, they had a lot of problems with domestic violence, a lot of problems, and and I can see what uh, I can see what Manfred is doing. It's like sending a message: Hey, we won't tolerate that. You know, we have the steroids problem. We're working. We're still working on that, and now we we cannot tolerate this other stuff. So it's. That's a tough job, you know. The commissioner of baseball is a beautiful job. He can walk into any park in the world for free and yeah. whatever. But it's a lot of responsibilities. It's a big business, billions of dollars involved here. And he represents the owners, and in a way he represents the fans. The players got a strong union, Major League 
Players Association, one of the strongest unions in the country. So the players are well up. They're well represented. But the commissioner is above everybody. Actually, he serves for the commission, for the uh, owners. He works directly for the owners, but he's supposed to be on top of everything. And uh, I think he's taking charge. I think I like what Manfred is doing. He's taking charge, and uh, he's going to have to do it because uh, the temptation to make a lot of money and to be a big star and egos, you know, some players got big egos. Mm -hmm. They think they can do everything all because I have money. Well, not necessarily. So (laughs) that's always the case. That's always the case. And most are good people, but there's always a couple of bad apples in any bunch. You know, so uh, I think he's doing well. I think he's doing well. I think the commissioner have to do that, and hopefully it doesn't belong. It becomes like my NFL. The NFL has a huge problem with domestic violence and other stuff, and uh, not to mention drugs. So uh, baseball is uh, it's a beautiful sport, but it's also in the arena of entertainment, and uh, yeah. that's mm-hmm. very, very, very tough. So I hope he's doing well, and I hope uh, Chapman does well and never happens again, and he learned a lesson and all that. Right, I I agree. So look forward yeah. to seeing him. Will be opening day or opening week, but we'll see him in May. That's right. So Yankee fans will have Chapman, but not at the beginning of the year. But they still have a good bullpen. Andrew Miller and uh, Delin Betances. Are you kidding? Most teams will mm-hmm. have to have those two. Those are two closers. So they have basically they have three closers. That's incredible. Yeah. I've never seen that. But uh, he's going to have to wait until May. Thank you very much. That wraps up our podcast. And uh, stay tuned for our next podcast coming up, the opening of the season for 2016.